before we dive into this week's episode, I want to tell you all about my brand new masterclass, Four Things You Need to Know to Get into Superhero Shape Over 40. And yes, this includes our four-step superhero formula for body shape change for women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. And yes, you will learn exactly what to focus on to get sexy strong without wasting your time, energy, and money that doesn't involve spending hours in the kitchen or gym every day. And even if you have an injury or hormonal struggles or are feeling far from super right now. And this masterclass delivers on a step-by-step formula and busts crazy diet and exercise myths that you may not know you even believed. Which means you don't have to rely on guesswork and Google and wading through hours of conflicting health and fitness information online. So you just spend 60 minutes of your time and we can promise to give you back hours. So come check it out now for free at warriorgoddesskettlebelltraining.com forward slash masterclass. Okay, let's dive into this week's episode. I'm your hostess with the mostess, Lisa Barlai, and I consider myself a fitness feminist and wellness alchemist, the kick-ass catalyst helping busy, ambitious women over 40 to become strong of mind, body, and character. You see, I wasn't always fit, lean, or strong, and was never motivated to exercise, barely drank water, and lived off bread, pasta, and cheese. But since starting my own wellness journey from 20 years ago and becoming certified in life coaching, plant-based and sports nutrition, holistic health, mindfulness, and kettlebell and personal training, I've learned how to create healthy habits and daily rituals rather than rely on my willpower and motivation. Plus, become a total health, fitness, and superhero geek. So we're coming at you with live workshop style health and wellness episodes packed with actionable step-by-step tips and real talk that are helping thousands of busy, ambitious women to become stronger in mind, body, and character, to be the best superhero versions of themselves without that fear of grind, guilt, or burnout. I want to teach women how to achieve goals as women, being feminine AF, because goddess got goals. Hello and welcome to the Goddess Got Goals podcast. I'm Lisa Barways, your hostess with the most S, and today we're going to be talking about ADHD and disordered eating. Now, it's ADHD Awareness Month when we're going live with this particular podcast, but even if you don't have ADHD um, or if you suspect you might, then this might be a good podcast for you. But I, I want to talk about this specifically with eating patterns for women and what I've noticed as a result of diet culture, of potential undiagnosed or diagnosed ADHD, um, and the impact that it has. So as I said, even if you're not someone who has ADHD, um, definitely this is a podcast to listen to um, because it talks about disordered eating in a very interesting way. Now, there's a caveat that I want to do before I kick off some content here, is that I am not a disordered eating nutritionist. I am not here as a psychologist or to talk about disordered eating in any way. What I'm going to share with you is my own experience of being undiagnosed with ADHD and my own experience of what I see as disordered eating uh, and my chaotic relationship with food over the years. Um, What, you know, looking back now, I can see it very clearly. And then also what I have been able to do to change that, but also, you know, what I still struggle with, right? 
and what I see clients struggle with and what I see um, that could potentially help. As always, I like to leave you with some helps and tips, right? What, how does that sound? Does that sound good to you? Good. So first of all, uh, the question is, have you ever attributed your disordered eating or uh, chaotic relationship with food to ADHD? So whether you are diagnosed with ADHD or not, um, maybe you do not have a great relationship with eating or with food. So I truly believe that we can't deny that we live in a diet obsessed culture, right? The impact that patriarchic beauty standards and capitalism and all of these have um, on this need to have our bodies look a certain way, which in turn affects how we eat because of diet culture and all of this misinformation and all of this kind of can really play a part and dictate how we eat. Now, the challenges of ADHD leaves you feeling overwhelmed, anxious, and frustrated um, anyway, right? Um, and also, we add to that when it comes to understanding nutrition, there's just too much misinformation to sort through, okay? You're already having challenges to remember to eat half the time, Um and then now this overload of which diet I should be choosing, how should I be eating, should I be doing keto, should I be fasting, should I be going vegan, you know, all of this sort of stuff. And you feel like you're at war against your body and at war against food, right? So this is how I felt for a lot of time and definitely in my 20s and 30s. Before I started my own nutritional education, which I'm going to talk about here, um, this anxiety, this overwhelm just led to me restrict what I call restricted eating, right? You're not eating enough during the day, which leads to feeling intense hunger at night when you finally take time to wind down for the day. That intense hunger and dopamine deficiency leads to you feeling out of control around food, resulting in binging and overeating, right? I talk about this all the time on the podcast, the binge and uh, well, the, the starvation binge cycle, or in this case, restriction binge cycle, or the forgetting to eat, right? Part of that. So this restrict binge cycle continues to ensue. So you want to have food freedom and you want to learn to eat intuitively, but you just don't know how to get there because it's just really overwhelming and you basically need the education, but you also maybe need the community of people or a coach like myself to get you there and you need to be able to filter this information. So I am going to talk about how this changed for me and the important milestones that triggered those changes, but I also want to show, I want to talk about how this showed up for me and often still does, Okay. Um, and no particular order. I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> so first of all, um, hyperfixation on certain foods. Now, do I do this now? You bet your bottom dollar I do. Currently, my hyperfixation is apples, right? Um, but it was getting up to six apples a day, and I was like, yeah, that's a bit of a hyperfixation. So I have pulled that back and made it more diverse, and now it's an apple and some carrots and some sugar snap peas, which it kind of always was, but then I just went, sometimes I veer towards one particular thing, and then I just stick with it. But for me, these are dopamine-releasing foods, crunchy apples, crunchy carrots, crunchy sugar snap peas, celery, right? Always, always... Um, would help me now with dopamine. I talk about dopamine releasing when I talk about ADHD and perimenopause and stuff on the podcast. But back in the 20s and 30s, my hyperfixation was certain foods as pasta and cheese and also just toast. Toast with peanut butter, toast with peanut butter and jam. Those were my major hyperfixations back then. Interestingly, Josh, 
does the same, very hyper focused on certain things and it's hard to get him to move out of things right now. But as a teenager and hormones and, mm, and dopamine, mm, it can be a very difficult thing. Also, I didn't like breakfast, didn't want to eat breakfast. Breakfast seemed annoying. Um, what would tend to happen is I would skip breakfast, but then get really hungry around 11 and then just grab a, something sugary like carbs, like, you know, a Danish or a bar of chocolate or something like that. I also didn't like eating first thing because I sometimes felt a bit nauseous in the mornings. And the irony is with that, by the way, is that the reason why you feel nauseous in the mornings, it's a bit like morning sickness is to do with uh, regulated blood sugar quite often. And the irreg not always, but most of the time. And that's why they say you should eat dry crackers because you still need to eat something to regulate the blood sugar. Um, and that can then have a knock-on effect that you can constantly and then feel hungry. Then your mood, you know, your you have mood swings. You have all of the, you know, your ups and downs of that blood sugar roller coaster of the highs and lows and then grabbing sugary fixes and all of that. I also didn't like the feeling of feeling full. But I didn't realize the feeling of fullness wasn't the feeling of fullness. It was the feeling of too much carbs, gluten and being bloated, right? Um, we're going to talk about that in a minute too. Um, certain textures, feeling of meat and poultry, why I became a vegetarian at the age of 13. Couldn't, didn't, still now I can't even do meat and poultry. Just the, just the texture of it. Nope. Um, hypersensitive to certain smells, eggs and fish. Uh, fish I can't do, eggs I'm okay with, but then like, eggs I would have sometimes an up and down relationship with, sometimes with that because of the texture. But all, the, one of the biggest things I had issues with was leftovers. I didn't, as a child, like to eat things second day. And that was obviously a big thing for, for my mum who used to try to batch and do things like that. Um, so I had bad PMS and hormonal fatigue, lots of up and down of energy during certain times of my cycle. Um, because again, I wasn't regulating how I was sleeping, how I was resting, how I was eating. Um, I had IBS from too much gluten and dairy, um, and sugar. So that meant I had terrible gas, bloating, and just felt fat and that feeling of fullness. But that feeling of fullness was because I would just binge a lot and I would eat a lot of pasta and cheese, both of which would just mess with my gut. Um... All of this also became another reason not to eat because I was like, is that going to give me more gas? Am I going to feel full? Is this not going to feel good? And then I either would forget to eat because I get really busy and hyper-focused on something or I just didn't want to eat because I'm like, that's going to trigger me feeling bloated, feeling whatever. And sometimes I was overwhelmed with, well, if I'm not going to eat that, what am I going to eat? And it was just easier just not to eat. Um, when I was younger, interestingly, I remember it very clearly, you know, being five, six, seven years old. I was a very picky eater. I didn't want my food to touch. I wouldn't eat. I would eat one of the whole thing. I would eat all my peas or I would eat all my potatoes or I would eat all of whatever if I had fish fingers back then or whatever, but I wouldn't allow them to touch. I didn't like sauces, didn't like anything like that. It was very strange. Um, overwhelmed by meal planning, literally the thought of sometimes even following a recipe was tr was tricky. Um and interestingly, a lot of my I, like a lot of my ADHD came with uh, a little bit more OCD. So I tended to have a very organized fridge and a very organized kitchen and all of those things. But I still couldn't manage to plan, you know, big elaborate meals or eat eat the same things over and over. Just couldn't do that, right? So for me, I needed to have variety. Um, like what I mean, the same same meal for three days or five days in a row. 
just couldn't do that. Also, not really great with heating up certain things. You know, there's only certain things that I will heat up now that are actually taste nicer the second day. And again, I'll eat them once, twice, but never really more than three times. Um, so, you know, if you look at that now and look at some of these things, you might be thinking to yourself, okay, well, I do some of that or some of that like makes sense to me. And is that not normal or is that not okay? And it's not that it's not okay. It depends on what your goals are. If you want to be healthy, if you want to have balanced hormones, if you want to be at a healthy weight, if you want to build muscle, if you want to change your body shape, if you want to um, have a, you know, a symptom-free perimenopause and menopause transition, some of these practices aren't good, right? You know, a lot of ADHD um, women will choose things like intermittent fasting because it means that they don't have to think about what they are eating. It legitimizes for them instead to uh, skip meals and be like, oh, but well, that's part of the protocol of how I'm eating right now, right? When really it's still just a diet, you're just skipping meals, right? And that's not what intermittent fasting is. Um, intermittent fasting is eating all your calories and macros just in a smaller feeding window, which actually can really help with regards to ADHD minds because um, when I'm hungry, I'll eat and I'll fixate on that food and I'll enjoy it and I'll like it. And then I don't want to have to think about food again for ages. So that kind of works for me. Um, but you need to be hitting your macros still. It's not just about skipping meals. Yeah. Um, also, you know, um, if you are someone who does struggle with textures of meat or textures of certain things that are high protein or like some people don't like certain pruthy textures or smoothie textures. Some people don't like smoothies at all. And we've had to talk to them about other ways that you can add protein powder into things or just increase your protein. I mean, you can indeed hit macros without protein powder. It's just something that's easy. Um, you know, understanding that you know, with IBS and with PMS, there are things that you can do and change so that you feel better. Yeah. Um, so things really changed for me. And I was I was talking to a friend about this the other day and she was like, when do you think it really changed or how did it, how were you able to make it change? And I think the the biggest one for me was I started doing more inner work, self-reflection and personal development, which really just kind of began my journey of what we call embodiment. Now, I think I'm going to do a separate podcast on embodiment because um, it's a bit of a buzzword right now, but it's it's something that we, you know, I think we need to talk about. But it's it's really the precursor to eating intuitively and having a good relationship with food. And definitely if you're coming from a disordered eating background. Um, but I began to um, to listen to my body and to listen to its cues and what it needed and, you know, be able to understand and be fine-tuned in that way, right? And in addition to that, you know, as I had my son, you know, that's, you know, being pregnant and, and having children is very embodying, right? You're in your body. You can't help it. There's somebody else in your body with you. And also because you want to make good choices, not just for them, you know, when you're pregnant specifically, because you're like, I need to make good choices for them. I need to make sure I am eating. I need to make sure I'm not anemic. I need to make sure I am getting my iron and, you know, my protein and all of these things, right? Um, also, it did help when I started to exercise regularly because I started to realize that I would be, um, when I was running my first marathon, for example, I would have more, t you know, fuel in the tank if I was eating better, um, if I was, you know, t eating certain ways, etc. And, 
definitely when I, and I talk about this quite a lot during the burnout episodes, if you want to go back and listen to those, but where I had chronic fatigue, Epstein-Barr and vertigo, which was basically when I burnt out, um, uh, which basically stopped me living a quality of life. Like I, I was like, how do I even live life right now? Um, and that was me even as a qualified health coach. So you know, I didn't still have all of the information that I needed at that point. And even more when I started to go into overtraining and over high intensity training and how that resulted in chronic pain and not not understanding what the impact of hyper fixating on certain foods or not making good food choices um, could have on inflammation, which in turn I physically felt and therefore could make changes because it it actually, I felt it within my body, basically. So all of that to say, right, is that, you know, it's interesting looking back on it now before my, you know, my own diagnosis, um, it definitely made an impact to, to my chaotic relationship with food. I was very all or nothing a lot of the time. I was very, you know, restriction binge. Yeah, I was very, you know, overwhelmed by what choices to make. Um, I definitely suffered with being hyper fixated on certain foods and also be being weirded out by the textures of certain foods. And I just thought that that was normal. I mean, one of my friends, I didn't like the the whites of fried eggs. And she one time just made me an egg that just had the yolk in it and she'd cut it out. And I was like, that's weird. I'm still not eating that. <laughs> or she'd make me lasagna, which was one of my favorite things at the time, pasta and cheese or variations of, of that. But the vegetables were all very chunky and I didn't like to chew very much, like big chunky vegetables. I liked it being quite, even quite sloppy at that time. So it's weird that looking back on it now, I'm like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's definitely what that was. Um and how I really, the biggest, the biggest catalyst of all of that was awareness, right? So hopefully even me bringing this up as part of a podcast is going to help you to go, okay, well, is how I am right now challenging? Is it, is it that I have been eating in this way because of the diet culture, because of decades of the way that I've been eating, that, you know, I have been influenced by how my body looks and how my body feels when I eat certain things, that I'm terrified of getting overweight, that I don't want to add any more weight because if I'm eating this much protein or eating this many calories, surely I'm going to put on weight. Um, Or that I don't want to spend a lot of my days eating this much. Um, I hear that a lot, or this is too much food for me to be eating, or I don't like the way that this food feels, um, etc. And how I've always got over anything, it starts with awareness, but also with clarity. Like, what is it that you want? What is it that you're, you're aiming for, right? Because if what you're doing right now was working for you, you wouldn't necessarily be listening to someone who's going to talk to you about these strategies for body shape change over 40 or getting, getting stronger or changing your shape or losing weight or, or those things, right? Um, you know that maybe deep down inside what you're doing is not 100% good for your health and well-being. And that's why you're listening. And thank you so much for that. And for those that you reach out to me on a regular basis and tell me that this information is, is new or wonderful or 
you know, light bulb moments or, you know, really starting to challenge the way that you think about eating and exercise and what wellness truly is. And thank you for doing that and reaching out. You know how much I love to hear from you. Um, but for those of us that are neurodivergent, it adds an extra layer of overwhelm and anxiety and frustration because of all this misinformation. And it's like, I don't know, like, you know, like a lot of the time, if you're going from someone who is stuck in that restriction binge cycle and you're trying to get them to eat, not necessarily more, what you're trying to get them to eat is eat consistently and eat enough calories and macronutrients based on what their body actually needs and what they need to be eating based on the goals that they want to achieve, right? And that's the clarity. So awareness comes first, then the clarity. And then the third part is action, right? Doing it, doing it for long enough for you to get a sense of, and this isn't about 100% consistency and being 100% accurate and, you know, tracking everything and measuring everything um, obsessively, though there's some part of that that gives true food freedom. If you ask me, you know, my advice, you know, when I truly became accurate and understood you know, what 30 grams of protein look like, what 50 grams of carbs look like, you know, tracked what I was actually eating. That became something I could manage. That became something that I could understand, right? And did I do it forever? No. Did I do it for longer than nine months? No. Do I do it now? No. But do I have enough belief and trust in myself to make good food choices 80% of the time? You betcha. Do I still, you know, have 20% where I eat the cookies um, the chocolate, six apples instead of two. Yes. So am I human? hundred percent. So, but that sort of 80, 20 rule applies very well here, but also based on my goals. Like when I really wanted to build, I knew how much I needed to eat when I really wanted to change my shape and get stronger and, and leaner and that toned look that I wanted. Yes. I knew what I needed to do to do that. Did I know that I had to maybe overcome decades of diet culture and, you know, overcome some of this disordered eating patterns? I suppose I understood it you know, subconsciously for sure. But I knew that I wasn't, you know, supporting myself with the education and I wasn't supporting myself with good choices. And once you start to learn this and become more in intuitive and, and, and checking in with your body and understanding that, it becomes an, an easier relationship. It becomes a more intuitive relationship with your body, with the food. Um, but you need a guideline to work from. You need a protocol. You need a set of kind of like, um, you know, I always like to think of it as like a little tugboat, right? You know, if you're like out in the ocean and the waves are crashing and you're in a storm, you need some sort of guiding light, whether it be the lighthouse that you can use as the focus or the tugboat that's going to get you to shore, right? It has to be about you finding some sort of guideline, some sort of protocol, which understands all the things, restriction, disordered eating, understands what might be going on with perimenopause, what might be going on with, are you eating enough fiber from plants? Are you eating, you know, uh, enough carbs? Are you eating enough protein? You know, all of these different things, which is based on nutritional science, but is nuanced by how you do it and what's important to you and how you may struggle and how you may need to overcome or be challenged. 
So I hope that was interesting today to have this conversation. If you are someone who is, has ADHD, I'd love to hear from you and how that kind of manifests. And looking back on on your own experience, did you feel that you had disordered eating or a chaotic relationship with food? And do you think your ADHD or your neurodivergence had something to do with that? Um, can you relate to some of my stories um, too? And also in relation to what caused you to want to make changes or when you realized enough was enough or what you wanted to do to do things differently. Um, and if you want to hear more about how ADHD affects exercise or how ADHD affects your nutrition or how you eat or um, how you sleep or any of those sorts of things, then I'd love to hear from you. So do email me at hello at warriorgoddesskettlebelltraining.com or hit reply to any email about the podcast. You can come on over into our tribe Facebook community over at warriorgoddesskettlebelltraining.com forward slash tribe, where we continue some conversations over there regarding the podcast. Um, and also you can slide into the DMs over on Instagram, Lisa underscore barwise over there. And ask me any questions about the podcast. Ask me any questions about what content that you would like to. And I would love to hear from you and how this is impacting you. Um, it's really cool if you have a friend that might need to hear this as well. Go ahead and hit share or copy and paste and send on a WhatsApp because that's how you get to hear about podcasts, right? That's how I always get my recommendations is through other friends. And of course, we would love you to hit that subscribe button. Go on over to leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts because that's how people find us. Um, because that's good karma and that's what you can do to share your love of the podcast. So we'll be back same time, same place next week. But until then, as always, peace out. Well, you made it to the end, my friend. You are my favorite kind of person. Seriously, a total badass. But if you like this episode, we've got a whole bunch waiting for you. With show notes, promos, discounts, lots and lots of freebies. And all you've got to do is go over to warriorgoddesskettlebelltraining.com forward slash podcasts. That's with an S. And don't forget to hit subscribe, totally, uh, on any of your you know favorite podcast platforms. And of course, leave us a review. We really like that. Or why not continue to be part of our community? Register to join the tribe, the Goddess Got Goals podcast tribe community. And come on over to warriorgoddesskettlebelltraining.com forward slash tribe. And I look forward to catching up with you next week or maybe in the next episode. Your super friend.